welcome back to the Midweek Debrief Season 2. I'm Jasper and I ride a black Triumph Scrambler 900. Here's how it sounds. I'm Jed and I ride a straight pipe Triumph Bonneville. Here's how it sounds. Join us each week as we catch up, discuss the latest headlines in the biking world, tackle a topic and answer your questions. We also have some exciting guest interviews lined up for this season, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Motone Customs. If you're like us and you're always looking for the next custom part for your bike, Motone has loads on offer, from headlight to taillight and everything in between. With daily worldwide dispatch, Motone are here to cater for all your custom needs. Check out what's on offer at www.motone.co.uk. Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief. How's your week been? My week has been very good, thank you. Yeah, it's been pretty busy. I've been in the process of moving place. It's just, it's a slow process. Oh, it's always dreadful moving. Yeah, exactly. So I haven't had that much riding, to be honest. But I've still been kind of commuting, as it were, to from A yeah. to B. And uh, there's one thing I've noticed, which is having been doing the same route from basically maybe like 15 minutes on the yeah. road, is that I've seen so many police out and about. A lot. Yeah, I have. And just more than usual. And I don't know if that's just because be- I've been out on the road more or if there are just more out. Yeah. But one thing I have seen as well, which we ought to just quickly chat about, is these uh, police bikes, which are, they're like mopeds. I've seen them. They're, they're, they seem to be everywhere now. They're really bizarre. I don't know if they're, are they, are they actual proper police or are they like CBT police? <laughs> <laughs> well the, so the guy that i was behind didn't he didn't have l plates on so oh, okay but I, I i couldn't quite tell which bikes they were because i've seen them on the new bmw scooter thing i've seen one of those with like the stem with the blue light on top <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> yeah so they bmw they must be uh, some of them are bmw and i think they use uh the larger of the honda or yamaha scooters oh, okay like the t-max or yeah one of, one of those i think one of those yeah it's just so strange seeing i know because i I, in my opinion because obviously they used to use triumphs back in the day for the police like the tr6 was used and it's like if you look at the uh it's the tr6p for police that was used for them interesting anyway obviously now they use bmws which i know i understand because they are good bikes yeah but they're not very stylish no but i guess that's not really the role (laughs) of the police Yeah, yeah yeah but the mopeds are even even less stylish that bmw moped looks like it's something out of tron it does it does look strange really bizarre it's just i think what it is is it's weird to see a police biker with his feet forward yeah it's just a funny position so yeah if anyone's out and about and you spot these guys it's 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 hard not to chuckle (laughs) if anyone's been stopped by them let us know because i'd be very interested to hear what the story is yeah to know why they're on scooters rather than bikes yeah because all i'm saying is if i was a police biker and i was on a bmw r12 whatever rt and i got a letter in my pigeonhole saying you're, you're on a ped tomorrow <laughs> you feel shafted i'd not be happy that'd be a demotion <laughs> so uh anyway that's one thing another quick uh, thing that happened to me this week was i was at the gym on tuesday morning yeah i come out of the showers after an hour or whatever and the lady at reception is dangling my triumph keys no like this no way and obviously my heart dropped and i sort of went to grab the belt loop and sure enough she's got my keys 
I had in haste because it was early in the morning, just left them in the bike. No, she some someone someone had walked past, seen the keys in the ignition, and put two and two together and assumed that I was in, in the gym in the yeah, and had gone and handed them in. That is lucky. To be fair, it wasn't the end of the world because I always keep the key that unlocks my disc lock on a separate set of keys. Oh, okay. So yeah, they wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. Yeah, but it's still not ideal. But that's but that's quite good advice for people generally that. You well, I actually, what... funny you should say that because I saw a guy um, commuting out of London in the morning because I have to I have to go through the Blackwall Tunnel in the morning. He was commuting next to me and he pulled up to set the lights and he had like a lanyard, you know, those spiral elasticated Like the lanyards, reminder cable. Like a reminder cable yeah. on his keys attached to his belt. Yeah. So he couldn't get off his bike without taking his keys out. Are you suggesting that I do that? I think you need a fluorescent uh, reminder cable for your keys. <laughs> <laughs> treat myself like a child and until until i've got better i think oxford discipline. sell them <laughs> oxford sell them oh great speaking of bikes and stuff there's actually something that i came across the other week that we never discussed yeah this is something that needs uh, a minute to talk so this about. is quite funny and it's actually really cool so i was uh scrolling through my instagram feed one day and got my notifications and i see i've been tagged in a story and i think what is this and i click on it and i think it looks like my bike and sure enough there's a bike builder in um, Asia somewhere, yeah. Who has essentially copied the Bonnie? I'm not 100 percent sure of what the base bike is, <laughs> but the the company is. It's called, not a Bonneville. It's it's not a Bonneville. The company is called Benkel Custom Yogyakarta or something. Dula Motor. They essentially copied the London Bonnie. So they've done everything. So here's some pictures of it. For those of you, you can check it out on their Instagram. But it's it. They've done the paint. How, how has he copied the paint so well? Well, I think it's just been from images of my bike. So he must have taken one where it was like directly side on. Yeah. And then he's mapped it out. Yeah, exactly. Because he's done the side covers, the, the stripes, the red triumph lettering is exactly the same. He's even, uh, he's got the sump guard. It's it's quite bizarre. The high front, everything's, the diamond stitch seat. And then he's absolutely nailed the rear end. Here's the thing. So you sent me a reel, I think, of, of some kind of like B-roll of the bike. Yeah. And you sent me virtually no text with it. You're always, you're always sending me stuff, and so I clicked on it, and I was watching it, and I get the first few bits. Oh, what what is this? And then I thought, hang on a sec, and then I realised, <laughs> and it's such an unusual looking thing because it's like your bike, but it's like you've ordered yeah. it off Alibaba. It pretty much, it's a wish, Bonnie. But what's interesting <laughs> is that the guys obviously had a lot of those parts like fabricated. Because there's no way that he's found all bolt-on parts that just look exactly yeah. like yours. So, there's actually a full spec list here of the bike. Oh, right. Which I didn't realise until just now. So, the original bike is a Scorpio 225cc single cylinder. I'm guessing you don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. A lot of it has been custom made. Yeah. To sort of match it. To get it to look right and get the proportions right. I mean, they've done a good job. They're a bit off, the they're proportions. Bit... Let's not lie. No, no, no. They're a bit off, but... I think they've still done a fantastic. It's even got the uh, like the number board behind the headlight. Yeah, <laughs> some it's, of the the attention to detail is fantastic. It's exactly the same tail light as mine. It's, it's really bizarre, but it's cool. We'll put a picture up and we'll, we'll link this all on to the Midweek TV for Instagram so you yeah, guys you can, can find it. it but it's 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 really quite funny. Well, another quick story. It's not quite um, as interesting as that. So do you remember last week there was a guy who wrote in uh, to the Q and A saying thoughts on the Thruxton R as a first bike, and yes. we were saying. Well, it is pricey, but go for it kind yeah. of thing. So he sent me a message. The guy's called Tom. He sent us a message this week saying he's gone ahead and bought it. No. And thank you for the the advice. And, you know, he he was talking about the th- that whole thing of like, 
I would always be thinking about my next bike and and, and ruining yeah. the enjoyment. If he went with something subpar like the Continental GT from Royal Enfield, for example. Yeah. And it reminded me a lot about the mindset that I was in when I bought my Scrambler because I very much considered buying the Royal yes. Enfield and just knew that if I did, I would always end up wishing I'd bought the Scrambler. Oh, 100%. So my point being, I think he's made the right decision. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a really smart looking bike. Now, on the subject of Royal Enfield, in my reading this week of MCN newsletter... Oh, let's hear it. So I don't know if you saw this. It was kind of all over Royal Enfield's Instagram, but then it was also quite low-key. It wasn't like a big launch. Their Interceptor, their sort of 650 range have, have gone black in oh. terms of engine casings. That is interesting, and it looks good. It does look good. Now, for those of you who are listening, do do look it up. Just just it's on their Instagram. It's but it's, they, it's they, everyone else. It's what have they done? Because they've blacked out the engine case. Okay, so there's something that's really <laughs> obvious that only I realised second time round that they've they've, and they've just put mag wheels on it. They put mag. Yeah. Why have they done that? I know. It's like they've made an improvement and then just gone. No, we're not going to improve anymore. We'll just make it worse. Exactly. And so when I first saw the interceptor, I was like. I was so taken aback by the black engine and the new paint job that I glossed over the wheels. Because the paint, then, the paint looks fantastic. Paint looks all good. It, it looks really smart, and it's got a new LED headlight and a few other little trinkets. But then I was looking at the Continental GT, and I thought it looks like a, like a nineties bike. It does, doesn't and I it? I couldn't work out why, and then I was like, it's the wheels. To be fair, those wheels on that uh, that new GT, they don't actually look horrendous. No, no, as mag wheels go. As mag wheels go. But the interceptor with the mag wheels just doesn't look... I mean, they could have just kept the spokes and gone with a black rim. Yeah. And it would have looked fantastic. But you can even black out spokes, can't you? You can, yeah. I guess they've done it from a cost-saving point of view. Yeah, they must cheaper, have It's cheaper, isn't it? Yeah. And all their, their Meteor and all these small capacity bikes yes. are now all coming out with mag wheels. Yeah. So it's probably, they've probably just got some mag wheel mega factory in India or whatever. That's just just boring them and dumping so, them out, yeah. I think the engine casing looks really cool. But what remains to be seen is, is whether... They will stand the the test of the elements. Yeah. Because the blacked out Bonnie engine casings get fairly hit by corrosion. Yeah. We've and had friends that have had theirs start bubbling and flaking and yeah. and their new bikes, twenty nineteen bikes, and they're just it just doesn't look good. Especially for Triumph. Yeah, I'd I'd be I'd be really interested to see one in the flesh. They do look like quite different bikes, blacked they do. out in a in a weird yeah. way. But I it's mean, good. I like it. Yeah, bang on. And I think with a few mods they'll look really tasty. Yeah. Now, last bit of news is that the Triumph TE1 electric bike. Remember that? Yes, it was yeah, kind of yeah. launched. It's one electric bike of the year. Has it? So even though it's not in in manufacturing or no, production, so I don't know how how it can win. But I think it's you know it's something to mention. So well, congrats, yeah, to Triumph for that. Well done, Triumph. Right now, our topic for this week is our gear. Yes, head to toe, what we wear, what we choose to ride in yeah. on the bike. My choice of helmet. 90% of the time is my open face DMD vintage helmet. It's in, I think the color's called crayon gray or something. Yeah. I got that helmet a while back and I like it because it's, I think it's, I believe it's the lowest profile UK legal helmet you can buy. Yeah, it is. And um, it's comfortable. And then I sort of topped it off with a um, AGV Legends peak. So it's like a long motocross style peak with the vents in it. You know, sometimes these manufacturers make a great helmet, but the accessories they have for it aren't that great. So you have to mix and match. And a lot of them, especially those studs on the front, they can, they're interchangeable. Different yeah, they're brands more, of they're sort of universal. And they're, they're pretty much universal. So that's what I use as my helmet uh, setup. The helmet, I, I, I mix between two helmets. I've got my Bell Moto 3, which is like the original helmet that I 
purchased for my first ever bike. And the Belmoto 3 is an awesome helmet. It it's looks like great. very well recognized as a timeless bit of kit. Bell are, you know, one of the leading helmet yeah. manufacturers. And the Moto 3 is one of those helmets where they didn't just come along and say, we're going to ride the wave of modern classic culture and create a helmet that kind of looks like a classic most most yeah. cross helmet. Like the Bell Moto 3 was an original helmet. Yeah, they just reissued it essentially. Exactly, and they've made it slightly more protective. If you look, if you look, if you look up Bell Moto Three original, they don't look that different. No, I mean the older ones look a lot more sort of shell-like. There's, yeah. there's less to them, but still the shape is very much the same, and um, it's a really comfy helmet. Yeah, one of the things I love about it is that it's got a really kind of wide open like aperture yeah exactly and so when you're wearing it it doesn't necessarily feel like an open face mm. um, it doesn't feel like a, a full, a full face, face helmet yeah. i've worn that consistently for two and a half years and i've had no issues it's just it's just been brilliant it's a good and helmet I, I ride on the motorway with it and it doesn't have too many problems it's just yeah happy it does days. everything although around town i i tend not to wear it anymore yeah to be completely honest where you go for your you've also got a dmd yeah, I've got the DMD Vintage as well, which I purchased from Urban Rider. And the guy who worked there at the time, I don't think he works there anymore, so I can tell this story, had said to me, he said, the jump from medium to large is such that the shell size gets bigger with the large. And yeah, steps up. Exactly. And the large is what I needed. And so he said to me, he's like, if you want the smaller profile, mm. go for the medium and then get a golf ball, rip out the inner lining and then like shred away the polystyrene. Just crush it down a bit. Yeah. It was probably the most unprofessional but helpful advice I've ever received from <laughs> someone in a shop. So moving down from helmets, we go on to eye protection, I suppose. So my choice of eye protection, if it's cold and windy, or I'm going on the motorway, I go for goggles. And my go-to goggles uh, with my DMD are by Ride 100%, and they are Barstow goggles. The color scheme that I've got, I think it's CC Racing, like a yellow and white yeah um they came with a clear lens as well but the yellow is quite good because it's not it's not really a dark tint it's just yellow so i can use that nighttime daytime all weather and uh, they're great goggles there. and then if it's you know if i'm running around town it's a nice sunny day and it's warm shades that i go for i i sort of rotate between a couple of pairs of Persol um sunglasses good eye protection polarized and comfortable i always wear goggles with when I'm on the motorway. Yeah, because you just don't know if a stone's going to come flying up off the uh, off the road. and Yeah, for sure. We, we, protection. we have a very good friend who, when we rode down to the Malay oh, Beach race word. last year, he was wearing an, uh, I think a full-face helmet, but like a motocross helmet that didn't have a visor. Uh, I think a it was a, a, a Biltwell Gringo. Is it the Gringo? Is that the, what was the one with like the round front? Yeah. Yeah. So he was wearing that, and he was riding his Tenere on the motorway for about two and a half hours yeah. with no glasses nothing no eye protection 70 miles an hour 70 to 80 miles an uh, hour i just don't know how to see through his tears <laughs> well there's that but we were just saying to me like mate if one stone hits oh. your eye that you're blinded so anyway i think he now wears eye protection but another thing just to mention on that is that i virtually never wear goggles with just clear lenses no i don't it's just really unstylish yeah. the only time the only time i'll wear it is if i'm if i'm doing like hard enduro yeah and I need to be, and it's like in dark woods, you need to be really just focused yeah. on what you're doing. But for road riding, as long as you you haven't got a black tint at night time, I just wouldn't wear clear lenses. So that's helmets. So moving down from that, we're on to... Uh, jackets. 
What did you do your goggles and eyewear? Well, to be well for me, when it comes to goggles, I'll just wear any motocross goggles that have like an iridium uh, tip. Oh yeah, so I'm I'm happy with that. And shades, and shades, any shades that just feel good. <laughs> That's, okay, the so, That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm sorry. I wish there was more than that. So moving down, um, neck tubes and stuff. I I normally. God, yeah, you go on. You you just I love go a neck for it. Tube. You, you you love a neck tube again. I'm, uh, I'll just take anything that fits uh, around my uh, neck. I, I probably have every single uh, neck tube Urban Rider sells. Yeah, you do. Sort of neatly folded in a drawer at home, and I love them. I layer them up. I have like a balaclava that I sometimes wear when it's really cold that covers my whole head and ears. Yeah, and then I put a neck tube over the top of that, have it under the goggles, so my whole face is. Especially wearing the open face helmet and the wind just battering you, so it's nice to have a few layers of fabric for protection. Um, moving down to jackets so I have a few jackets that I sort of rotate yeah um, normally if I'm doing a motorway journey I'll wear something that's got armor in it leather armored so I have my fuel sideways jacket which if it's dry and sunny that's like my go-to motorway jacket it's full armor um, it's thick full grain leather so I know that I've come off in that jacket before and I've been absolutely fine and the jacket's been perfect um, but if I'm Riding in the rain, I'd say my go-to jacket's probably my Fuel Division 2. Yeah. Now, rain protection's brilliant, but Fuel is a bit bizarre when it comes to their fit. Yeah, So, beautiful. my Sideways, I bought an XL. So, I bought a size up, and it fits me perfectly. But the Division 2, I also bought an XL, but it's a weird cut. You've got sort of shorter arms and a short body that's really wide, but then the shoulders are somehow tight and the elbows are tight. So it's quite a bizarre jacket. Yeah, so Fuel, if you're listening, please sort out the sizing of your products. The, the stuff they make looks awesome. It does. And when you're on the website, you're salivating and you're just willing to put your bank details in and buy it all. Yeah. But when it turns up, it's it's just really disappointing. And, and not in a way that's like you don't like the product, just in a way that it just doesn't fit unless you've got a really unusual body shape. And so, like you say, I mean, we've both got a Division 2. Yeah and that it's like a box it is. You, you, you put it on and it's like it like rides up it leaves your kind of belt exposed yeah but then it's kind of tight on the neck and and then and then tight where it should it's basically tight where it should be loose yeah and loose where it should be tight yeah exactly they've just done everything opposite and um the finishing inside the pockets is sort of fraying a bit you yeah pull, pull thread and fabric out of your pockets every now and again um, it's a very common it's a very common thing at the moment actually because all these brands that are they're jumping on the modern classic bandwagon it's like uh, you can't read into it too much but if profit margins are their preference you know if that's ultimately their ambition then yeah. they're cutting costs in areas where it's like it's just really disappointing because if you've spent your hard-earned money like 485 euros on a fuel jacket and yeah. you're thinking i'm gonna buy this and it will last me 20 years of exactly hard riding in the desert like it's, it's like it's suggested yeah. good and then it's already fraying at the seams oh, just from riding around town yeah or or even just from its journey from the distributor <laughs> to your house like, seriously yeah, like no, no. and you know i think you and i have just kind of laughed our way through it but i think from a, i can imagine lots of people would receive that and just be like i'd be really, disappointed yeah it'd yeah. be really disappointing but having said that the fuel division 2 once it's on and and you've kind of waddled out the house <laughs> it's kind of comfy when you're on the bike because okay, you forget yeah. about it you forget about it and it, it's got a decent amount of wind protection. I've put the um, thermal liner back in mine. It's a full length thermal liner. So yeah. it does, instead of just being like a waistcoat, like a lot of jackets have, it's got full sleeves, which I think is quite good. It does make it fit considerably tighter and you can't layer up as much. All in all, once you're on the bike, it's actually fine. 
Yeah. Um, as far as other jackets go, I mean, my Triumph Lifestyle leather jacket, I really like that. Yeah. It's got high quality talon zips and it's it's finished quite well for the price point and the leather feels really good and it broke in quite easily. Um, I've come off in that jacket as well, funnily enough. Perfect. And this is your test. This for is all my your test jackets. for my jacket. Just skid down the road, and it protected me fine. That's got no armor in it. Cause it's just the lifestyle jacket. Yeah, it's not like one of their biking range jackets. So, yeah, I, I came off fine in that jacket. Yeah, I love it. I think for me personally, I find that riding around London, I'm not actually that fussed about having a really protective jacket. No, you're not going fast enough. To no, really, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like if you're concerned about abrasion protection, it's like. You know, you really need to be going more than 35, 40 miles an hour for that to really kick in and, yeah. and be a problem, I think. So for me, more often than not, I'll leave the house and just wear a jacket that's fashionable, if you see what I mean. Yeah. If, if I'm just going from A to B and, and it's... Because like most of London now, for people that don't really know, is like all 20 miles an I hour. I know. I've noticed a couple of roads that have changed recently. Yeah. But, you know, everyone has their has their go-to jacket. And if that can be a, a biker jacket, then... You know, yeah. that's definitely ideal now when it comes to jeans what do you tend to wear on the bike because this is something that often gets yeah. overlooked so i started off my sort of biking career with some well it was on my suzuki so i had leathers yeah but between that i also had some like biker jeans like abrasion resistant biker jeans and i wore those for i basically wore those out they were great jeans they were comfortable um the only issue that i had with them is once you put the knee armor in they became like quite tight behind the knees they'd almost pinch so after that, I moved on to just wearing normal jeans, half decent pair of jeans, you know, nothing too thin, normally like selvage denim. So I've got some Uniqlo jeans that I wear. I've come off in a pair of those. They've been absolutely fine. Um, what other jeans do I wear? I have got a pair of the Fuel, um, oh, what are they called? I can't remember the model, but they're, they're white. Oh, the Sergeant. The Sergeant, that's it. The Fuel Sergeant uh trousers they've got that leather panels and they're actually quite good trousers to be honest yeah they look lovely they're um they fit well i have got a couple of sizes larger of course because it's fuel um but you know they've got the pockets for knee armor i wore those to the mile and i wore those to salisbury salisbury plane yeah you've worn those loads and just had no issues yeah no, that's so good i i've i've had pretty a pretty poor experience of my history of of motorcycle riding jeans and the thing is what what i wish is that someone would come out with a product that would go underneath regular jeans because the reality yeah. is you you've got so many jeans on the go oh, i know if you're on the bike every day you end up then just wearing the same pair of jeans if they're the only ones that have the kevlar lining saying that i wonder if um nox do because you know nox does like the body armor oh yeah you can wear under your your casual clothing yeah well they may maybe they, maybe maybe they, they do. do trousers yeah i think no, they I think might they, do yeah they, they must they must It'd be good if someone had these like almost like Kevlar tights. I'd yeah. wear those. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Then you know your jeans will rip underneath your fully yeah, protected. Exactly. Exactly. But then having said that, people say so I I read a stat once that said for every meter you slide on tarmac, you lose a centimeter of flesh. It's it's bizarre, it's nuts. It's like that's pretty serious. It is. So I've just had a quick Google search and I found that Knox actually does do um abrasion resistant armored leggings that fit underneath your so that's in there they're on urban rider Perfect. if you want to check them out they've got pockets for armor but they're also abrasion resistant so you can chuck those under your your jeans and then not have to worry yeah i think that's what you want but then having said that so i had my low side on the mutt the other day yeah and i was just wearing h&m jeans and yes they slightly ripped open but i must have slid for maybe 
three to five meters. Yeah. And I was completely fine. Well, that's it. So, again, that's really unprofessional advice to say just wear normal. I don't know. I think you, you've got to assess your own riding. and, and I'd just get those leggings. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, they, they seem I'd quite say. good. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the summer when you want to wear free-flowing clothes. I think, you know, put the, put those leggings on. Put some put an armoured vest on. Yeah. And, and then you can wear an open stuff. shirt and white jeans. Happy yeah. days. And give it the beans as well. <laughs> now... With boots, what, what what are your go-to boots when you leave the house? So if I'm commuting and it's during the week and I know that I'm going to be changing footwear when I get to work or whatever, I have my TCX boots. Yeah. And they're sort of shin-high, like um, enduro style or like adventure boots. So yep. they're, they're waterproof. So I know if I get caught in the rain, I'm going to have dry feet. Um, they've got a load of ankle support. They've also stopped your ankle from overflexing should you come off and they actually saved my ankle when we were at Salisbury Plain I was um riding through like a rut that a car had made and I hit I think it was a log or something in the rut and it bounced me to the side and my toe happened to be hanging off my peg a bit oh yeah and my right foot caught the edge of this rut and it twisted my ankle almost 180 degrees on the bike and I think if I wasn't wearing those boots it probably would have snapped my ankle yeah definitely um so they're a great bit of kit so I wear those most of the time and then uh you know, day to day, I in the summer, I normally go for lighter shoes because I'm not on the bike for an extended amount of time. I'm just riding around town, coming but to meet you. Your, your skater shoes, my skater shoes <laughs> that people have slated me for. Um, you know, just just light shoes in the summer, and then throughout the winter, most of the time, I'm just wearing type of boots. So I've got currently in my circulation, I've got two pairs of Timberland boots, sort of the six inch high lace up boots. I've got a pair of Dr. Martin Chelsea boots, and the ones that I'm enjoying the most at the minute are my Red Wing boots, yeah. which have just broken in and they're super comfortable now. Yeah, I um, I actually have a sort of a, a similar setup. I also have some T- TCX Enduro boots and they seem to be the, the best brand that bridges the gap between kind of like really functional gear that works off-road, but yeah. also has a kind of nostalgic style yeah. element to them. Definitely. You know, they're made of leather and they have the, you know, they have a kind of traditional sole and a lot of modern motocross and enduro boots are just very like plasticky and bright colored yeah really like you'll be like bright orange and pink and the, the, the shapes all weird they look a yeah. bit like snowboard boots and you just don't want that at least no. on the types of bikes that we ride i've also got a pair of red wings but the slightly higher variant which are great i've got some solo vare boots which are like doc martens mm. blundstones are my yep. kind of go-to slip-on boots for just on off on off wear those all the time but then like you say it's like when you're in London, especially in the summer, the the kind of protective element of the gear is just so much less important because it's more about the practicality and yeah, going especially if you're going be. yeah going to places like you don't want to go to a coffee shop and sit down for a, a coffee with someone and you're in your shin high TCX boots. Yeah, no, exactly. But and and I think that's the like the clear point to make is that if you know if, if I call you up and I say, mate, let's go for a ride tomorrow morning, kind of oh, you yeah. know go for a ride. It's not let's wear vans and white jeans no it's let's put the boots on yeah so it's just you you wear you know whatever according to how you're going to ride and i think yeah exactly that's what's important any motorway journey i've put the tcx's on yeah all day long yeah now with that sorted that's all you're wearing on the bike when it comes to security let's say you're going from a to b you're coming here you're doing the pod how are you keeping the bike secure so i have oxford boss i think it is discog I had initially bought one for my Suzuki and I had no complaints with it. Always functioned, never got stuck. Great lock. And it's quite good because 
most of the actual like the steel hoop of the lock is shielded by the body of the lock itself so it makes it quite difficult for someone to try cut off the only trouble with that is on my bonnie there's not really any sort of holes big enough in the discs to actually fit it so what i do is i've got holes in my rear sprocket so i loop it through that instead of on the disc so it's essentially doing the same thing yeah and it's, it fits in my pocket i sometimes loop it around where my pillion peg comes off the frame you know just to have it hanging there but normally it goes in my pocket or in my bag now take it everywhere and it's a yeah good bit of kits that's all my security that i use day to day do you ever get worried about people just cutting your disc sometimes because it does happen it in does London. happen I mean, yeah like, seriously people get you're going to spend 300 pounds on a disc lock and you'll be walking away feeling like a boss yeah and then you come back to your bike and half the disc is gone and or half <laughs> and the disc half the disc left. is left on the floor and your, and your bike's, bike's gone. gone yeah i mean i'd hope they'd take the panigale park next to me yeah true over my triumph true which in most cases it normally is the sports bikes that are more desirable yeah um but in that case i mean what do you use for your well very similarly, I, I've got a like a, a decent disc lock. It's made by Abbas. I believe it's their RS1 Detecto, possibly 7000. The, na- the, the way <laughs> they name these locks is, is actually really confusing. Yeah, I know. I wish it was just the lock number one, the lock number, no- you know, but they, they come up with all these kind of crazy yeah. names. Now, I picked this one because the one I wanted didn't fit my disc. Right. And this is actually a really good piece of advice for people. It's like, when you when you buy a new bike, don't assume that every disc lock will fit. Yeah, the they disc. just don't. They they don't weirdly, and so I went to JNS Accessories, which is like yeah. the standard place to go for all these things. And I walked straight in. I was like, "Yep, I want that one." And that was the Abus Granite Detector, which is like it. It comes in either yellow, red, or green. You've probably seen them before. They are kind of rectangular in shape with like a V that goes into the disc and then there's like a ball like a like a it's almost like a very big ball bearing yeah and then almost like a lever that the latches over exactly and it's alarmed and as you push it in it pushes the ball in so any movement from the bike once it's in it if that ball moves gyroscopically oh it triggers the alarm it triggers the alarm so it's like meant to be really high tech and and also just like beefy that is good but it didn't fit my bike so i bought the level down from that and it's still alarmed and it's not too sensitive which is nice it's not triggered by you just oh, sort of you, past. you breathe on it and it goes off no I, and that is actually quite a classic thing if you've got a bike with quite a loud exhaust in london you'll know the feeling of of squeezing into a motorcycle bay with just only kind of three-wheeler mopeds yeah and they're all just wailing with yeah. these, these alarms and that's just from your bike engine noise yeah 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 and everyone's so used to the sound of, of scooter alarms in oh, London. Everywhere. If one was actually being nicked, you'd just be like, oh, it's, it's yeah, just like you, another sign. No, just it. hear it. That's what I carry around with me. I've also got a tracker on the bike. But, you know, yes, again, I'm aware that it could just be taken at any at any moment. Yeah. Um, so that's just the reality of it. And then moving on from that, I sometimes take, if we're going on a trip or something, you want to take luggage with you. Yeah. Like a backpack or something. So I use a branded it's like a military style backpack and i bought it last year just before the malay mile because at the beach race i realized how much i was struggling with the backpack that i previously had uh, with capacity so i bought this backpack. it's a 40 liter backpack it's huge but for day to day it's fine because it compresses down quite small but when you really want to fill it up you can expand this thing out and really stuff it full so i used that for our camping trip to salisbury and it had every, it could fit my everything on there it had straps at the bottom to fit my tent and my sleeping roll and um that's my sort of go-to backpack um i'm actually looking to get something smaller for like day to day just running around like even something just to chuck the camera in maybe and 
a few bits and pieces because I don't always want to be carrying that huge bag. Yeah, well, there are, there are a few really good companies out there. You see these these bags all the time. Even there's that company uh, Stubble and Co. Yes, I've seen them. There, there are loads of brands out there that are making cool bags. So I think yeah. it'd be pretty straightforward to get get hold of a good one. So yeah, there we that's, have it. That's our topic. On to guess the engine. Yes. Now let you go first. You go first. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So, are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. aftermarket exhaust yes it sounds with all due respect it just sounds really generic <laughs> it's quite a generic sounding bike there's really not much to work off there it sounds it's either a twin or a single like oh, i feel like it's either an aggressive single or it's just a really boring v-twin so it, it it's not a ducati it, it, let's say it's a v-twin it's not a ducati no it's not a Harley. It's. I reckon it could be a Japanese V twin. Okay, you're right so far. Okay, well that's 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 better than I thought I'd do already. No, you're doing really well. So I'm happy with that. Okay, so if it's a Japanese V twin, okay, it's not going to be a Yamaha. It's not going to be a Honda. It's going to be a Suzuki. It is a Suzuki. Okay, so in terms of their V twins, I'm assuming this is a new bike. It is an. It is a new bike. Yeah. Okay. They've, they've, there's obviously the SV650. Yep. Is that it? It's not. It's not. Okay, so it's not the SV650. Is it the um? Is it the V-Strom? It is. The V-Strom 1050. That was really good. Because it's a really generic sound. I mean, look, for an aftermarket exhaust, look how big it is. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So well, that, was, that was really, well, fair play. Well thank done. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right, here's yours. It is slightly different. Go on, then. That sound is music to my ears. What do you think? Is that a Kawasaki H2? Yes. <laughs> that supercharger is just so distinctive. Okay, you obviously got that much quicker than I thought you would. So we're we're gonna we're gonna use my we're backup gonna, oh, one as backup. well. Okay, let's because do it. you know because you're on quite a good streak at the moment. And <laughs> no, okay, go on. And and actually, this one. This... I, no, I'm not giving anything away. I'm not giving anything away because okay, I want to make this harder for you. Here we go. Aftermarket exhaust? Yes. Japanese? Yes. Yamaha? No. Not a Yamaha. It's not a Yamaha. Okay, let's step it back a bit. What? It, let's talk about the engine first. Yeah, let's do that first. So is it a twin? Yes. It's a twin, okay. Do not that. Suzuki, because we already know how generic that sounds. 
It could be. I wouldn't rule it out. Oh, could it be an SV650? Yes, it is. <laughs> is it? That doesn't sound... The tick over is a bit, but when it revs up... It's, you, it's your bike. It's my bike. That revving up sounds complete. Well, I haven't actually heard my Suzuki run in about three months. Because <laughs> you've neglected <laughs> I've it. I've neglected it. Well, well, okay, two for two. You're, you're on a roll. If there's one thing I know, it's that next, I'm going to be doing some research and next week I'm going to step this up and give you a really hard really niche one. one. Yeah, for sure. No, well done. No, thank you. Good effort. Now, Q&A time. Let's see what questions we had this week. Abby Hamu is asking, how often do you lube the chain of your bikes? That is a good question. So normally more in the winter than in the summer for me because, you know, it's raining and the salt on the roads and stuff. So in the winter, probably once every two and a half to three weeks uh, with a clean. If it's that's if it's been raining and stuff, I'll make sure to give it a deep clean. Um, and then in the summer, probably once a month because, you know, it's dry all the time. Um, there's nothing to rinse the lube off the chain so it stays there longer unless i'm going off-roading and it gets covered in dust and grime and dirt yeah then i'll wash that off as soon as i get home and do a full re-lube um but for me yeah, it's it's good to keep on top of it yeah no i think that's good advice if you, if you look at your chain and it looks dry clean and lube it yeah or it looks like there's a bit of surface rust it, forming that's... yeah a bit of rust or it's um looks dirty then that's just a good sign to give it a clean so next question this question's actually quite jokes because it's probably the most asked question I get on every single post of mine. And it's from Otis West. So he should have seen the answer at some stage, but it's what bars are on my bonnie? Oh, Otis, not again. This is, I must get this question asked me at least five times a day. But never mind. The bars that are on my bonnie are from Back, which is a French company. They do some awesome parts. And they are the number one bars. I think they're like a brush finish. So that's where you can check those out. Right now, Sandra Gomez is asking about your airboxes, both stock or have they been removed? If yes, any trouble with water or dust? Now, this is perfect because I've still got my airbox and you haven't. Yeah. So mine has, I think it's a company called Ram Air. They do air filter solutions for bikes and cars. And mine has their full airbox delete kit. So it deletes the whole airbox and there's two foam pod filters that go in place. Um, for me... I don't know performance benefits because I've always had the bike like that. So I couldn't tell you how it was before. But um, as far as cleaning goes, it's really straightforward. And you're not having to buy a new filter every time you service the bike. So I just take them off, air filter cleaner, give it all. Like um, petrol is a good thing to use. I use old petrol sometimes. Clean the air filters out, rinse them out, let them dry, and then give them a coating of uh, air filter oil. Let it sit for a bit, chuck them back on the bike, and you're good to go for another X thousand miles, whatever. Um they did get quite dirty at the the mile and the beach race, but nothing got through. Yeah. So they did their job and then, yeah, just to rinse out with some petrol, clean them up and they're back on the bike. Yeah, perfect. And yours with your standard? Well, yeah, I mean, having an airbox is fine for me. I've got the, the stock air filter that comes with the Triumph. It looks like if anyone's ever removed it, it looks like a cheese grater. It's like it's a like, tube, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tube and it and it just looks like a cheese grater and it feels like one. You've actually got to be careful not to cut your fingers on it. Yeah. So I replaced mine with a DNA filter, I think it is. Like a high flow filter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's been fine. And I I will replace it after the beach race or the Malimar. Yeah. One of them. So yeah, I, I replace it annually, I think. Now, Finest Designs always has cracking questions. So he's asking oh, this week, on. you have 6K to buy a motorcycle for the NC500. 
Now, the NC500 is a 500-mile route in Scotland. It stands for North Coast 500, so beautiful coastal roads. Let's say as part of the question that we have to ride from London up to Inverness, let's say, where we yeah. start, and then do it and ride back. 6K, what are, you, what are your thoughts? 6K, what am I buying? I'd want something upright, and I'm assuming we're taking luggage with us, so it'd have to have yep. capacity for luggage. Unless unless Finest Designs wants to be the support vehicle. Yeah, in a van. It would have to be Triumph, because all my kit is sort of tailored towards Triumph, and it's just what I love. So I'm wondering, maybe something like a, a Speed Twin? Could I get a Speed Twin for, for 6K? Well, I think... Would that be stretching it a bit? Maybe one that's been stolen. <laughs> yeah, they're quite dear. 6k okay there's one for 8k is that close enough or does it have to be six okay we can find, we can find he six. did say six he did say six i'd maybe just try find like a triumph scrambler or something yeah yeah for 6k or a good looking bonnie or i think it'd be great fun but the reason that i say speed twin is because it's almost like that next step in performance and i think to enjoy those roads i think it would be really fun on a bike like that yeah no i agree now, I, 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 I would be taking a slightly different route. Okay. And I would be looking for a early 2000s Harley Street Glide. <laughs> oh, yeah. With the full luggage, the full fairing, and the, the radio with the speakers. Because my, th- my thought process is if we've got 9, 10, maybe even 11 hours on the road to get up there, yeah. I don't want to be being buffeted around by the wind, have all this That's luggage true. strapped to the back. So I want to be in absolute comfort with an open face helmet on and sunglasses because i will have all the wind protection i will have the tunes going (laughs) all the luggage is a non-issue because it's just it's in the contained boxes and uh i think that'd be pretty comfortable that would be a very comfortable solution when one would actually get to the nc 500 route i don't know how and i'm ripping around these coastal roads yeah i think think that's where I'd, I'd i'd pay the price but having said that i've never ridden one of these bikes and I don't know. I think they'd be. I think they'd be a lot of fun, and for a, for a week's trip, I think it'd be. It would be a good laugh. I think be, it'd be jokes. So we that, should uh, reach yeah. out to Harley and see if they want to. Yeah, exactly. Kit us out. <laughs> so I have a question from Paul again, and it is stock Bonneville twenty fourteen air cooled. Uh, what are your first must have mods to do? So what's Bonneville T one hundred? It's a T one hundred. I'm assuming it just says stock Bonneville twenty fourteen air cooled. Air cooled. Okay. So it must be a T one hundred. Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the first things that I would do is change the seat. Yep. So I'd put like a sort of a nice Motone crate seat on there. Yeah, really nice I'd seat. Ditch the mirrors. Tail tidy. Tail tidy, for sure. Exhaust. Exhaust, yep. Is a must. Like the is it the Lucas tail tidy. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. You can delete the rear mudguard and yeah, exactly. Tidies up the rear end loads. And then I would ditch the front fender because it's it's so long on the stock bonnie oh yes get a nice little short front fender fender. um indicators you can't have those huge big chrome indicators yeah motone pico indicators yeah small tiny black indicators they do the bracket for them as well really tidy solution yeah i think that'd be that'd be a pretty good start that would be a very good start and you'd have a very good looking machine yeah you would definitely a good a good base yes Well, on that note, I think that just about wraps it up. That does. So see you next week. See ya.